0: It's Charlie Webster here. Welcome along to My Sporting Mind, the podcast that's all about mindset and mental health in sport and in life as well. Season two is proudly supported by SportingLife.com, ahead of the rest with 160 years of sporting knowledge and integrity. Today, I'm really pleased to welcome one of England's greatest ever spin bowlers, Monty Panesar, to the podcast. Monty, it's an absolute pleasure to have you. And I absolutely love your company when we've had chats together and I feel very privilege to say that I've even played cricket against you do you remember
1: yes I do well thank you for it. welcome <laughs> along thank you so much and
0: uh, that's um, like my uh, claim to fame
1: yes it, it, it was at Lords. I was bowling at you and I was trying to get you out it actually surprised me that you uh, can actually hit the cricket ball quite well
0: yeah, I was like, I remember you saying to me, did you actually play cricket before? And, but it was so funny. I really enjoyed that day. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, I played cricket against Monty Panasso. He's bowled against me. Um, but seriously though, um, how have you found this past year? Because I remember the last time we sat down and had a chat, we spoke about so many different things. And one of the things that stuck into my head was about, how you use exercise to help with mental health, to help with like daily life. Um, so, how's everything been going for you?
1: Yeah, well, um, I, I'm actually, you know, stu- I'm studying a master's um, at Senrae University in uh, international sports journalism. So um, that exercises my mind a lot. Um, <laughs> so uh, if you if you want to know exercise, you didn't you didn't you didn't ask me a specific question. The exercise of the mind or exercise of the body
0: very good uh, point so hang on then let's go back to so how are you using exercise physically to exercise your mind to help you cope through the current climate there you go is that a better question
1: Great question. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 I do running. I think running helps me to, um, when I, when I do like interval hit running, that's the kind of stuff I really enjoy. Like, you know, like run for one minute, you know, as, as, far as I can with 30 second rest, do that, you know, 10 times, 15 minutes of that. It's really good, you know, nice workout. And then a similar one is when I do for two minutes, again, run for two minutes and then have a one minute rest, do that 10 times, that's 30 minutes. But through the whole process, I find that I'm going through different emotions. Mm. I'm going through different sort of things that are on my mind, the goals, maybe the the struggling, the conversations I'm struggling to have with certain people or some of the good stuff that I actually need to revisit. And that's what it does. You know, when you go through running, go through the exercise, you're actually... Um, going through a process of uh, maybe getting rid of get rid of some emotion, uh, enter some positive thoughts, you know, trying to find some answers to some things in your life that are happening now, and it's 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 that high intensity exercise. And I always check my heartbeat on the treadmill, and I and I try and get up to maybe one seventy five, one seventy at least. Then I know I've had a really good workout. So I like to you know really sort of push myself and and then sort of keep pounding on that you know treadmill because. High intensity exercise is so good for the body. Mm. It it really, you know, like
0: there's there's a few
1: people out there say to me, oh, I want to look young. Maybe I should go and do some, you know, get some Botox or this. I said, guys, just do hip running. You don't need any of that. That, The oxygen flowing through the body will cleanse you and and you feel great afterwards.
0: Mm. I can totally relate to the thinking things through. When I'm running, I so often find myself having a conversation with myself in my own head. And sometimes I'm like play out scenarios and it's almost like an amazing space to to be able to do that without all the distraction that I think is current. And then, so going back to your point that you made, um, how are you exercising the mind then? And why have you decided to do a master's? That's really interesting.
1: Yeah, well, I I think um, I'm I'm finding like the mental sort of uh, the mind exercise through um, the course, really, I'm learning so much about, you know, sports journalism, I'm, I'm writing a few articles, have to do a lot of reading, do some research and planning, and then putting it all together. And there's times where I just, my mind just like, oh gosh, it's like, you know, going through 100 miles per hour and I need that time, you know, to get away from it. So, you know, rest is so important for me, but also um, exercise, you know, and, and diet as well, you know, diet, all of that kind of plays a part. So there's, yeah, there's times where, You know, there's certain times of the day where I can do my reading and writing and there's other times of the day day where, you know, I can do a bit more sort of digital journalism, go to areas. Like I went to Arsenal, I I interact with the fans, the crowds and I make a little, you know, uh, video, you know, I can put load up on Twitter. So that's something fun. So I can break up my sort of day and but still cover the the aspects of, of sports journalism.
0: So where do things stand in terms of cricket for you now then? Because I know, I mean, I've done a few things with you and you come across brilliantly, like, you know, you're doing stuff digitally, socially and interacting with people. And it's almost that for, you became a hero with England, maybe a slightly unlikely one, and everybody just loves you and you have such incredible charm and, and you know, you, you've you released a book, you, you've told story, the story around... What, what was going on for you which we'll get more in depth of but where where's cricket what cri- what does cricket feel like for you right now as we sat here today
1: yeah look I, I it's a great question um Charlie you know you'll definitely uh understand a sportsman's mindset um so I I play for Twickenham Cricket Club on a Saturday um in Twickenham so when I have a home match I expect you to uh see you there maybe with your bicycle doing a 10 20k you know cycle and you're just sort of having 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 a bit of a rest and watching me bowl which will be great
0: or Um, i can actually bat against you well
1: you can do maybe during during the warm-ups you can do but then uh, you know when it's a league match and it's a rival game then i have to have to bring my a game on um, you know because i I want us to win the league this year um (laughs) So, yeah, that's my competitive mindset. So, it allows me to, again, you know, I think what cricket does that competitive juices, you know, that I have I'm, I'm on a Saturday, I'm allowed to uh, demonstrate that on a cricket field, compete with a batsman, game situations. You know, it really kind of like ticks all the sort of boxes, you know, what I used to do as a cricketer. And and then again, you know, it's that fan interaction, fan engagement. It's, you know, where we play, uh, it's it's actually on a, on, a, on a public sort of, you know, um, park. But, um, it, you know, there's always people walking around, around, and, and there's a lot of people sort of come and watch. Um, and some who are cricket fans probably know me during my cricketing days, they'll just come and watch me bowl. But it's a nice crowd. And, and that's the thing I know, that I have to interact with with my fans, give back to cricket. That's another, you know. If you, it's in a way by playing club cricket, it makes me feel like I'm giving back to cricket, um, because there could be a young Middlesex player. In fact, there was a young Middlesex player in our in our sort of tier, team at Twickenham, and the next game he, he played for Middlesex uh, this week. So um, his name was Cullum, uh, a Seam Seam Bowler. So, so from that perspective, it's, it's great. You know, young players coming through the ranks and i get to bowl to them and, and they can improve their game and, and, and develop. And, and it just adds a bit more sort of competitiveness in the league, you know, having a sort of ex-international player playing. And, and it's that other mindset. You know, when you talked about the mind, you know, I remember at Lords when Andrew Flintoff gave me the ball, he threw the ball at me. And he actually said to me while I was in India in 2006, he goes, Monty, do you know you're a cult hero back home? And I was like, well, I don't really know what you mean by that but I understood when he threw the ball at me at Lord's and the whole crowd just erupted. And, and I was like, wow, this is the first time I, I'm, I'm experiencing this level of stardom, you know, people, you know, the whole spotlight is on me. And now I've kind of, I'm out of that scene, aren't I? I'm out of the test arena I'm out of that. The fans, it's because of the fans where sportsmen are generally are, where, you know, where they are, you know, if the fans keep, you know, cheering for you, your popularity goes through the roof and now when I sit back and I think yeah there was a period of time when Monty Mania what did exist and people used to wear face masks like mm-hmm. like I don't want you to turn up wearing a face mask at Twickenham Green you know to watch me play that that would be a great uh, <laughs> I, I, that'd be, I think that'd be a great you know brave <laughs> be really brave Charlie to do that um, but in uh, generally speaking um, it's I feel like, wow, it's the people. It's the people in this country that that made what Monty is today. And I need to give back to cricket. And that's why I play club cricket. It, it gives me that sense of giving back and helping, you know, young children with their coaching or parents coming up to me. What can we do more with my, you know, child? Or just a general, you know, people learn a lot visually. You know? there's, a, there's players who can watch and learn. So that's, that's why I think club cricket's um, quite important for me.
0: And. Every time you mentioned cricket then or you described yourself, you spoke in the past tense. So do you now not see yourself as a cricketer anymore?
1: Uh, Another great question because I always believe that when people speak to me, if they can speak to me in this present moment in time. So I remember, you know, with Gary Lineker, I I had a chat with him and I I go, no one talks about your football career. Everyone talks about your present journalism. It was like, oh, Gary, you were great on Match of the Day or you were great presenting there. It's like, it's like that, mean, that means that's that sign of success that means that people are speaking to you in present time with what 's happening now, rather than thinking, well, you know i 'm not doing much now, but people remember me in two thousand and nine about my kind of test match, but not what's what does Monty Pano look like in two thousand and twenty one and that 's why I want people to now speak to me with what 's happening now in my life because then it feels like you know i 'm being successful um, either 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 I'm new to be successful or reach higher goals so people can relate to me in this moment in time. So, yes, interesting.
0: So on that then, what does Monty Panasad look like for 2021?
1: Well, he looks like being on Sky Sports News in the morning and he's presenting and he's saying Pep Guardiola has signed a five-year deal with Man City and breaking news right now, Lionel Messi (laughs) has signed with Man City. After the break, we've got Charlie to tell us more about her podcast. No, no,
0: no, I'm I'm fine. I've been there, done that. (laughs) Well, I have. That haven't. was very good. That was Thank very, you. very good. So, really, is that what you is that is that where you see yourself?
1: Well, I think when I signed up to the course, I you know my, I spoke to my parents. I go, look, I'm not really getting anywhere with this sports journalism. I thought during the World Cup and the book release, someone would have given me an opportunity. Maybe I don't know, I don't know, one of the major media media channels, Talk Sport or Radio Five Live or even you know Sky Sports, but nothing came about. And I and I thought, you know, I look, everyone. You know who who are involved. They're like you know they're like they're like ex um, England captains, or they played over 100 Test matches. I played 50, and I've uh, you know I've been out of the game for quite you know 2016 was the last time I played. So so it's been I've been out of the game for quite a long time. So I, they said to me, look, if you're serious, you should do a course and and then see then review then see what doors open up for you. Um, and then at St Mary, I think they had Emma Painter, who's actually at Sky Sports News, and, and so then I thought, yeah, th- this is this is what, once I finish the course, hopefully my outdoors and opportunities will open up in this area, in these areas as well. So, so that's what I'm hoping, you know, I don't know, maybe it's a bit ambitious, but who knows.
0: I really admire your, your tenacity, I suppose, and determination and strength, because I've, I've almost seen you go through this change and career change, and we've spoken about it before, do you think that sometimes the reason is because people see you as somebody that's that I don't know had some problems? And do you think you are judged in terms of some of the things that happened during your England career?
1: Look, there's this times and my behaviours in the England England team wasn't great. Um, you know, um, I remember Sri Lanka Test match, I was 12th man. I was, I'd get so grumpy when I was 12th man. And I wasn't filling up the drinks. Put my headphones on, listening to music. And Andy Flower came down and then just nudged me. He goes, "Look, what you're doing? You know, you got to help the team out." So I was like, not behaving. You know, there's times where I would be like, let's say the bad egg in the dressing room. And then that news kind of starts spreading. It's the same thing when I loved playing cricket. News spreads. Everyone's like, "Wow, this is, you know, breath of fresh air in the England team." Monty Panesar's brilliant. You know, he loves cricket. Then the other way it went when I. Fell, fell out of love with cricket and that kind of spin and people thought well he's you know he's gone off the rails what's going on with him and then I think Mike Atherton did a really good piece on me and then that's how I had to open up in the media about you know obviously there there's certain struggles which I was denying like, even to the point you know to get me to do the interview the people around me was like look you have to do it you- you can't keep denying this and uh Mm -hmm. so yes I'll start talking about it and then and then you know it's it's just that my natural drive really of how I got to the England team is is the natural drive in in sports journalism it's like it's like a I think if I can't achieve something then it, it makes me even more determined to chase that goal rather than completely turn off and do something else it's you know like you know, so there's so many different skill sets I learn from, from this sports journalism that I'm always, you know, just keep working at it, keep working at it. Because um, it's, it's that it's, it's that, you know, it's that dream for me, isn't it? It's like, well, my goal is to be on Sky Sports News presenting, um, you know, like like the people, you know, who present right now. And I'm chasing that. And, and, and that helps me to occupy my time, occupy my goals. It, 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 you know like it stops being you know you're busy your stuff you know it's because i'm chasing that dream so that's one way of like keeping yourself busy
0: mm. it's interesting that you said you know you were seen as a bad egg in the changing rooms and you know you mentioned ha- doing interviews and there's very there's things very well versed out there you can google your name and it talks so much about things like alcohol and you know what what happened with your behavior but what often isn't talked about enough is why you were behaving like that. Because that's the first time I've, I've heard you describe, well, oh, you know, I was a bad egg. But were you a bad egg or were you struggling? And when did you start to realise that? You know, you said, were you falling out with cricket or just were you, was that the first time you started to struggle? When did you start to feel those things?
1: I think it wasn't. It, it's, 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 it's the results in front of you. It's like when you're not getting selected to play when you don't get a ball, when they tell you, oh, you know, maybe, you know, take a week off and then come back. You kind of think that why are people sort of shutting the door and, and telling me like to come back, you know, and and, and maybe, you know, just, you know, you, you're a bit angry at the moment, just sort of come back and, 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 and then join the team. This was when I was at Essex. Um, and, uh, you know, Paul Grayson was brilliant at managing that. But I think um, it kind of like... The question, you know, is then, you know, how, is Monty consistent now? You know, what's his behaviour like now? Where is he sitting right now? And that, that takes time. So, you know, in 2019, I used to go to World Cup games. I went to test matches. Um, and that's, that's all it was. It was my way of going to the people that I knew in the media stand, in the media centres, ex-England captain like the likes of, you know, Geoffrey Boycott, Michael Vaughan, Nasser Hussain, you know, Mike Atherton, David Gower, they were all there. I'll just go and just to just, just show my face. But they would just just tell them that actually I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. But then once you lose that trust or once you misbehave or once, you know, you, you're, you're you're coming through, let's say, a mental health issue, they want to see it over a long period of time. Is this consistent behavior where he's mentally actually okay and he's happy and everything is great? And that's what I did. And, and even my parents used to say that. I said, you've got to put in the hard work now. You've got to win back the cricketing community by showing them that you're good you're good you, you you behave well you're you're consistent you're there's nothing wrong with you and we know there's nothing wrong with you but you got to go out and show it to the world and that's what i did that, that 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 was my goal
0: but you had um you know you had depression you had a mental health problem and there's nothing wrong with that so do you think it would have been treated differently if it was a physical problem and do you think that sport do you think you can have a mental prob- health problem and still be in sport?
1: You can do if you know how to manage it. And, uh, you know, if you've got coaches around you or people around you, you know, how to manage that. It's like you could have a mental health, let's say, issue and you're playing for your country and you can make a wrong decision at the wrong time. And, it, and, you, and, and, you, and it's not good enough. I'm sorry. It is not good enough to say, "Oh, actually, um, I don't know. You know, I just couldn't think straight, or you know, anxiety kicked in, or you know, some, I felt really mood wasn't great." You know, it cost us the game. We lost, and there's money involved in big games. So, when you want to enter the boxing arena or the competitive environment, you've got to be switched on. You can't have, you know, if you've got these like little issues, you've got to have a way of dealing with them. But you've got to show that under pressure, you are able to make key decisions even when you're carrying a mental health issue because that's the demand of international sport and you have to do that
0: but do you think that that was probably part of the problem then because you were suffering from um a mental health problem and you were probably masking it but also masking it from yourself so a lot of the time the the way you were was to try and deal with things because of the fact that you were almost editing who you are
1: yeah, absolutely. I, I was probably masking it in a way of go to the gym more, pump more weights. You know, I love going to the gym, get that feeling of, you know, um, uh, adrenaline and dolphin's kicking in. And I think everything's fine. Um, and, uh, and then like, I knew like then on the field and a catch get dropped or um am will give me a decision, you know, I'll get, I'll get a bit more uptight, a bit more angry. And and that's the bit, you know, where you're kind of like that people are watching all the coaches thinking, well, you know, when he was in his good days, um, he, he, he wouldn't, he, he'll be okay about it. You know, he, he'll come back and you will try and recreate the same chance. But why is he getting angry, you know, over a drop catch or an umpire decision? He never used to behave like that. And they're the sort of signs that they still start thinking that he's probably frustrated or he's not maybe happy within himself. And, and that's the most important thing. The most important thing I realized is the happiness within yourself. You know, if you are happy within yourself, everyone else is going to feel that. Mm. you don 't have to see, i don 't have to go and tell people what is my mood like today or um, what how do I feel I, I will enter a room and people will resonate off my energy because they know i 'm happy they feel happy around me, and everyone knows that actually Monty 's in a great space now um, so they can see it it 's like a it 's like a perfume they can smell the perfume or the warmth, and you know you 're in a great place
0: so how did you get to that place for anybody that? relates to some of the things you were going through and your thought pattern and paranoia and depression how did you get to that place and actually before I ask you that what were your thought patterns at that time because I think it's really interesting for people to hear that because they might feel the same things or be telling themselves those things too Look, I think
1: one thing I realized, you know, I'm from a family of, um, you know, we we believe in faith, believe in my religion and thing. And faith was a big part of me um, getting to where I am today. And I realized that even when I'm not in a great place, even family and friends, let alone the cricket community, they don't want to be around me. They're like, God, he's, you know, he's irritating us because his energy and his frequency is quite angry and it's making us angry. And people want to be around you when you're in a happy place as well. So you have to do things. You know, have to do, do things to get yourself in a place that you're happy within you. So, for me, you know, my my my, my relationship, let's say, with with within myself, self care, um, you know, relationship with let's say existence, positive energy, spirituality, you know, all of that kind of stuff. That's the most most important relationship with me, first and firm foremost. If I'm if that uh, if if that is in a good place for me. You know, I'm grateful for things around me, I affirmations, you know. Like if I'm saying something to myself and I say, look, oh, I'm so rubbish at this. Who is the first person that hears it? It's me, you know, because it flows the, the mouth to the ear. Like ears are like the closest to me. Now, if the second person sitting next to me, it will go to them next. So if, I'm, if I say positive affirmations to myself, if, I, if I'm grateful, you know, being humble, empathetic, you know, these are all the things that get you into a happy place. So, what am I doing for others? I don't feel in a great place. What, what, what am I doing for charity stuff? So then, I, I sometimes just message like I'm ambassador for Royal Marston's, muscular dystrophy, show racism red card. I'll just message them. I say, look, can I do something for you guys? And they say, oh, I want to. Great. Yeah. What would you like to do? I just want to post a video out, or I want to do a charity run, and they go, yeah, go on and then do this, go and do that, and that takes me away from, let's say, okay. Um, For myself, because mm. I'm, I'm giving to others, right? And and and, and it's, it's the example of my coach, you know, who I'm touched with is not well, he's not, he's not here with us at, anymore. He unfortunately passed away. Um, and he said, Look at the sun. The sun always gives light, but it doesn't take anything from anyone. It's always giving. So you, you've got to have that mindset, even if you want to become the greatest sportsman in the world. The, the greatest people, the greatest sportsmen, they give, they have this mentality of giving you have to just give 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 and it all will go fall into place and by giving actually as human beings we feel a lot more calmer within ourselves mm. um, and a lot more happier when we're helping others without thinking of business you know transaction and I think that is a lot to do with having a being in a happy place as well
0: is that what what's helped you and you said you know about calling saying you're rubbish and I think it's so powerful what you said because I think people have a very strong critical voice and then they start to listen to it and it can become a cycle where you lose self-confidence. It can cause depression and how we speak to ourselves is really important to listen to. Is that what you were saying to yourself? And what was the point where you, because it's really interesting you talk about that, but what was the point when things shifted for you, when you realized that that things needed to move and you were, t- how, when did you recognize that you were saying those things to yourself?
1: It's, it's really interesting you say that. It's, it's it's I think my parents have been so influential that like even my, my mom would always hate to me because like you know, you're talking, you're talking, and you're giving affirmations to yourself, which are actually um it's gonna it's not gonna help you, you know. You've got to talk positively about yourself or you've got to do things which are you know positive for yourself. Um, so 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 these kind of things are so important. I, I think relationships with your parents are are also important because it's a biological thing, you know, that 50% you carry of your mom, 50% of your dad, just just a biological energy thing that they seem to just, they'll, they'll say something that will probably be helpful, then maybe, you know, you don't have to speak so much and, and you get to the solution quicker. So that's been a huge part of my life, you know, My, my both of my parents that, you know, uh, they, they've been very, you know, helpful. And, and And it was them really who said to me, like, go and do the course, you know, I never thought to myself to do a master's, they kind of pushed me, mm-hmm. you know, to do that. And, um, in, and, even today, you know, I, I, if I'm struggling, let's say with learning something or they'll ask me how, how's your, what, what, what are you up to, you know, how's, how's your new set of skills that you're learning. Um, I was like, I'm really struggling with this new book. I, I can't understand But they go, look, you just got to go through it, you know, and, and they'll say, sometimes they'll reaffirm the stuff they say to me, they go like, you know, go through the pain barrier like you used to. And, and then, then that's where the physical training is really helpful for me. You know, when I do boxing, sparring. Or even yoga stretches, running. I'm going through that pain barrier. I'm like, this pain is good for me because it's going to help release and free me up. And and that's what it does. Afterwards, you know, you feel a lot, lot better. And I just, I, I just don't think people who do go through, you know, difficult times, they are willing to go through the pain or the the pain threshold, which uh, sometimes maybe sports people have that naturally because they're so competitive. Mm,
0: that's a really interesting point. Sporting Life prides itself on being ahead of the rest by providing a rivaled analysis, opinion, debate and statistics for the sports you love. Follow Sporting Life for the best previews, stats and live horse racing and football score services. Visit sportinglife.com or download the free app for Apple and Android devices. So what do you think the most important thing you look back at and learn about yourself is?
1: I, I think what I learned about myself is I, I wish when I wasn't in a great place, I would just go away and maybe coach like an under 15, you know, kid or under 17, you know, in our, in our team go and you know, give back by doing coaching or, or, or do something else. Take it, take, take the conversation away from myself and by helping others. Um, and then it helps me to then when I've, you know, when I've, when I'm exhausted and I've you know I've spent, I've spent all that energy on just helping other people, then when I'm back to myself, I think, how do I feel now? Do mm-hmm. I feel better? Do I feel like, um, you know, all of that kind of stuff that was in my mind has kind of like, you know, just just gone away and, and I feel a lot better. And sometimes by giving to others and interacting and that congregation of people, you actually, they help to heal you, you help to he- heal each other. And, and then you just feel better without Having that internal dialogue within yourself and trying to maybe uh, work out, you know, what is going on today.
0: It's interesting because I feel like um, the narrative of conversation a lot is focused on giving, and I I don't know. I wonder if also it's a way to ref- to deflect off yourself a little bit. Do you think? Absolutely. This so is my like, whole yeah. Like, if it's okay to ask you that, I think it's just really interesting because a lot yeah. of it is like giving and I wish I could give and but I wonder if that's if that's also a way to deflect on away from how you are feeling sometimes
1: yeah absolutely it's, it's my strategy so you know I must say Charlie you're, you're an intelligent girl and you've obviously know how to, you've interviewed a lot of people and you've worked out my strategy it is you know when I don't feel great I I, I give to others um, and, and I help them out And afterwards, um, that conversation that I had with, you know, how how I was feeling actually gets eliminated. That's what I found. Um, And it comes back from my younger days, you know, when in Sikhism, we call something called Seva, voluntary work. And we have a lot of, you know, like, you know, they call it the. the the British Voluntary Army, I think Ross Kemp did this amazing documentary on, on the food banks, you know, and it comes back in, 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 in Sikhism, we have this principle of voluntary, you know, work, you know, helping others. And it's very much part of, by helping others, you're helping yourself without having to go through the sort of internal dialogue that's happening with you. You have this faith that if I help others, I have that faith by helping others, I will get I'll, I'll feel happy and I'll feel great and there is something about I don't know what it is every human being you feel a lot happier when you're helping others you feel a lot happier when you're cooking for others you know mm-hmm. when I went on master Chef and I started to become a you know, really good cook I, li- I like cooking I like cooking for others and and, 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 and seeing what it's good for them and you feel so much better for it now that's the question I want to ask you why is it that human behavior by giving to others they feel better why? Is that just, is it, we're all built that
0: way? That's a good question. I think, I don't know, it was interesting because I was listening to you talk a lot about giving there. And I think sometimes it's a way, it's a distraction from ourselves, like you said, from that that voice in our head and that narrative in our head. I think that it helps us feel a sense of purpose. And I think a sense of purpose is really, really important. And I think when... People, I don't know whether you can relate to this in your cricket career. Did you struggle when you were struggling? Did you then start to question or lose your sense of identity and who you were and your sense of purpose? Because you had this trajectory where you were so successful. You said, you know, people were putting masks on that re- represented you, you became a bit of a cult hero, and then things went a little bit bad for you and you were struggling. And then you were almost like, I don't know, you, you tell me, did you start to lose your sense of purpose almost? And I think that's why giving so powerful because I think it makes you feel like you're giving something, you have a purpose for your life, like that's what you're here for. I think it makes people feel good when they see somebody smile. Like, you know, if I, so even on this conversation, like if, and I don't know, you weren't smiling and like, I, I want to make sure that even, even making this, that our conversation helps other people, right? Like, why do I want to do that? Probably because sometimes I, because I want people to know that it's okay to feel rubbish sometimes to tell yourself you're rubbish to have that dialogue and it's actually really more common than we care to talk about and I think a lot of the time our struggles are far worse when we are in isolation so that's why I do this podcast but then I think it also helps me in a way because it helps me release some of my own struggles and in knowing that I can pass it on to somebody else maybe it helps me know that my story is useful for somebody else so then throwing it back to you So did you feel like you were maybe losing your sense of self and purpose?
1: Look, yeah, I I think it's more the question of um, the sense of peace and happiness within yourself, you know, and that loneliness is a great term because, you know, I think loneliness is one of the factors of mental health issues and that's why when I talk about religion, faith, I go to, let's say, my Sikh temple as a place of congregation Um, In place of congregation, in place where there's a lot of people there, what it does, it it gives you the opportunity to help others, you know, and you can help in many forms. You can be by listening. You can listen to someone else, help by advice, help by doing some voluntary work. So that sense of, you know, you know, congregation or, you know, you look at every sort of place, you know, like the church, mosque, Monday, whatever you want to say it. They're all places of congregation. And, and you kind of look at it and you kind of think, well, they all are built from the same kind of cloth, really. You know, um, there's people there. They all come together. They, they, they worship their own faith. Um, and through that, everyone actually feels better. Mm. Um, so, again, it takes you away from loneliness, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And, and you look at how science is telling you what mental health issues are. One of the factors is loneliness. Mm-hmm. And the opposite of that is congregation. So that's why I think, yeah, my, my, I, I, I'm a great believer that, you know, spirituality, faith, all of these things, um, are one of many, many avenues, you know, to, to feel happy and, and peace within yourself.
0: So did you feel lonely?
1: I felt isolated. And the more isolated I feel, it's, it's two ways, you know, there's a flight response or a fight response. And I had my PT trainer who was an ex-boxer, a professional boxer, I used to do boxing. And he goes, "I. the more I do boxing with you, the more of a fighter you are. But when I take you out of the boxing ring, you're very calm, relaxed, you know, just a, a nice person to be around, but there's no sense of you know, aggression and all that, but your aggression comes out, you know, in a boxing ring. So me, when I got lonely, I was, my denial was even stronger. It'll be, the more lonely I got, the more I had these talks of everything's fine, I'm strong. I'm, you know, and I ended up being this, instead of a nice person, a monster. You know, it's like a fireball walking around and I'm, I'm the fireball. People can see the fire around me. No one wants to be near me because they're thinking, I go near that fireball. I'm going to get my hands burned. And the people who love and care for you, they're like, I want to help this person. He's on fire. Monty is on fire right now. How do we pour water over him so he calms and he's OK? But he doesn't want to be poured water over him. He doesn't want the help. Because he's telling the world he is fine, but I'm on fire right now, and, and that that was that's. There's two responses. There's the other one where you're you know you're in your room isolated and everything's dark and you're switching off reality, or the other way where you're just lit in fires in society, and you're and you're being and you're ended from Monty to a monster, you know, and 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 that's that's when I realized that gosh I need to I need uh, I need a way of getting balanced back in my life
0: but that was just your way of coping how does that make you feel now when you talk about yourself like that
1: it makes me feel so good because it's the truth it's the honest truth I look at the mirror this was the truth I'm facing up to my truth it's like on uh, you know have, uh, when you have onions each layer you just take off take off and you get to the core this was my truth my truth may not be the same as someone else's truth but you must meet reality and face up to your truths. Mm. And that's that this this is, was my reality.
0: It's a really common coping mechanism um, at the anger. Of, and I absolutely love the way you described it. I was like nodding my head when you described it as a fireball. And it's almost a denial of yourself. And it's really common when you're feeling very isolated, you know, the words that you used, and sad um, and hurt underneath is anger becomes the coping mechanism on the top to protect you from the hurt so it's really common it is it's a really common way of coping and I think it's it's great to hear that from you because if somebody is feeling like that themselves maybe they can look underneath that and and see what it is that's actually hurting them would you relate to that
1: yeah, that's, I think that's a great question. It's, it's a great point, because I think a lot of people say to me, they go, Monty, there's a quite a, 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 a steely or determination, you know, character about you. But when they get to know you, and they peel that sort of layers of onions, or we peel the you know, layers of clothing off you, um, there's a very soft, gentle, this lovable guy, you a know, big hearted person, which warmth of energy, which is actually who you are. But you obviously, when you're not in a great place, and let's say that inside is not really anger or you're hurt, then the outside layer is gonna be like even more determined to protect that hurt by by denying that I'm hurt. Instead, I'm gonna be saying everything's fine. And the more I meet my hurt and the pain that I'm going through now, the emotional pain, I'll be saying, no, I'm even more better, even more better and then I go to the gym, the more heavier weights I lift, the more boxing I do, more sparring, I'm I, I'm I'm sugarcoating what's really happening inside that 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 hurt inside through through exercise, um and and that's what then you have to meet you have to meet that that hurt and that in, inside why are you why are you feeling hurt?
0: Mm-hmm. You know, when you released your book, did it help a lot because it was your truth? Because you said you could look in the mirror and be like, this is me. It's almost like I don't have to keep fighting it anymore. I don't have to keep projecting this image of myself and, 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 and I, th- I can imagine there was, there was, there seemed like there was so much judgment around that. And then to, to do a book and to, to put it out there, was it a relief?
1: I think it was a great process to go through. It was about me being obviously honest to myself, but going through my journey. This was my timeline. This was my journey. These are the different events, the stages that happened mm-hmm. And it helped me to emotionally think about well, how did I feel at that time? when I, you know, let's say, took my first test wicket? How did I feel when Gilchrist was hitting me for sixes, and the decision of the wind going with the ball was as it's going further and further? Uh, how did I feel when I dropped that catch? How did I feel when I saved a test match? You know, what did it feel like when I was bowling up my best? So when you go through that whole roller coaster of, of emotions, you're actually cleansing yourself. You actually, you know, just like gives you much more sense of balance. And in the end, that wavy sort of, Waves of you know um ocean waves. you you, end, you once I finish the process, you end up this calm wave, you know, like a nice, surreal wave, and you're feeling absolutely calm within yourself because you've gone through the journey that's very personable to you. That's very, you know, specific to you and your life. Mm. That's why um you know that was really good for me.
0: Mm. I want to go back to a point that you made you it, about Gary Lineker, and you said, that, oh nobody talks to him about football anymore because he's now match of the day presenter and all about journalism would you prefer now not to talk about cricket so if i asked you you know how do you look back on your england career or well, things like that is for you now is that like i don't i don't want to talk about those things now or do you see that in a really important part of your story and learning
1: i think i think at the moment i'm still connected to cricket because i played with jimmy anderson England under 19s you know and he's the highest wicket taker and I played with like Alistair Cook played you know some cricket with Ben Stokes so at the moment I still feel connected to cricket because I've got players in the England team who are like my mates teammates who I've played with but once they start retiring so when Alistair Cook retired and at the Oval I felt a real massive lump in my throat thinking that that's Part of me who's retiring because I played. He played all my fifty. We played our fifty Test matches together, and we made our debut together. So in a way, I was so happy for him. But in a way, it was like, wow, there's this a part of me retiring from international cricket as well. And and the same, I think, will probably I feel about Jimmy Anderson because I, I just love watching him bowl all the time. And I remember when me and Freddie were at the old Trafford Test match, we both sat down, and I said to Freddie, I go. I go, why do I feel so at home just watching test cricket? And he said the same thing, same time. (laughs) He goes, I feel so at home. I feel like uh, it it, it feels so therapeutic just watching a, a, a red cricket ball test matches and, and you just feel like, yeah, this is what I used to do. And, 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 and it, the mind kind of, you know, remembers that this is who you were. And you sit there and you just feel so relaxed. Like, such a therapeutic experience going and watch Test cricket. That, that's, that's one of the reasons I go there as well. I love watching Test cricket and, and meeting everyone because it, 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 they are all kind of part of me at some stage in my life. So then when I watch the game, it, it's, it's just, it's, it reminds me of who I was when I played for England.
0: It's nice because you're really smiling when you're talking about that. And it's really lovely to hear you talk. So how you you can still see that love that you have for the game. And I can imagine there's been so many highs and lows in that. And it's really nice to see that you can see, see it as a really good thing. How do you look back on it then? Is it with love or is it with sometimes regret?
1: I think for me, there was, there was a, a lot, lot, most of the period of time, with, you know, I, I thought I played cricket with, with that love energy and with the celebrations was so evident that I was enjoying my moment, you know, and, and that was, I was always brought up as a youngster to say, when you achieve your goals, um, it's like when you're climbing Mount Everest, you know, the first hundred meters, whatever, you know, just, just, just take a bit of time back and celebrate this moment. Then you do the next hundred, celebrate, next hundred, celebrate. And sometimes we forget to celebrate our achievements. And it's so important. The mind, the body needs to recognize that when you do something good, that I'm going to reward you. You know, maybe go to Starbucks and have a, have a coffee and a cake or, um, you know, uh, have your favorite food or, uh, you know, like whatever it is. And, and then the mind and the body starts programming that, that whenever I do something that is favorite to me, it means I've achieved success. And then it, it gives, gives you a good rush. So it's a way of just programming the mind that, you know, this is, you're, you're, you're doing great. You know, you're, you're moving forward in life. And there were times where, yeah, I, I did that. And there was times during my cricket career where I didn't behave very well and I wasn't good. And my parents, they were like very, like even my mentor, you know, he, he when I met him even, um, he, he goes, I didn't raise you like this. When I taught you how to play cricket, how to behave, how to be in harmony with everyone, because... To get to the top, you, you need the blessings of all the fans and everyone with you to get to the top of the Mount Everest. You can't do it yourself, you know, everyone's got to be with you to supporting that. And he was disappointed in my behavior because I didn't teach you to behave like this, and you're behaving like this right now at Essex and, and though and, and times you know at Sussex. And it's because I probably wasn't in a great place. Yeah. And and that part of me when I revisit and i revisit that during the book. Um, I felt disappointed in myself. I felt I let myself down. I let people of cricket, uh, ECB, people who, you know, had faith in me at the start because I loved cricket. They got me in the England team. Then I let all of them down. You know, it's like this is, you know, if I was an angry little kid, let's say in 2006, I would not play for England because I loved the game so much everyone played you know everyone got wanted me to play and, and and be successful and that's why even i remember michael Vaughan saying when i got into that england successful england team he goes because he a goes, breath of fresh air just love cricket and it's it helps all of us it lifts us we love it all you know and that's part of me yeah when we when i went through that journey i was yeah i was, I was disappointed that look at the, the 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 polar opposite behaviors from 2006 now in 2000 and let's say 15 or 2014 you know how why am I not happy with life? And here I'm absolutely loving life, and that yeah, that bit does yeah make me feel disappointed within myself.
0: Do you think it is something to do with the fact that you you did so incredibly well, and it was just for the love of it, and then it became something else?
1: It was an obsession. It's like it's like this. It's very simple. I I I bowl sixty balls and I take one wicket. Now my body and my mind knows that every 60 balls I'll get a wicket. So at some point, you know, he's going to get, I'm going to get that rush of great feeling, you know, but now it's taking me 90 balls, you know? So then 180 balls, I'm taking two wickets, but 180 balls before I should take three wickets. So, you know, that, that feeling of rush has already gone down by 30% and it goes less a little bit more and more as your strike rate keeps going up. And where's that feeling of, you know, you're, you're fighting for that feeling then. And it becomes an obsession. You start training more. You can't get away from it. You just bowl, bowl, bowl. And, and you know that there's something maybe wrong technically or there's something wrong maybe, you know, uh, uh, elsewhere, tactically or, or the mind or physically that I need to maybe have a chat with coach. But sportsmen go into this zone of obsession, get mm-hmm. completely obsessed, and they think, right, bowling more, training more will get me out of it, and then I will able to go back to my normal strike rate and perform really well. It doesn't happen. And that's where it starts dripping into. In, then the mind starts chasing that feeling of, you know, that euphoria that you have when you take a wicket or you perform well. It's, it's taken much longer to get that feeling. And then, yeah, the mind starts sort of, you know, not happy. It's not happy with you now.
0: Yeah, playing starts playing tricks with you and telling you that you're not good enough. And then yeah. it, I imagine it just becomes a spiral. On that then, what would, advice would you give to any younger? What advice do you give when you're working with younger players now about how to you know that that obsession in a way is is partly important for mindset for success but at the same time how do you make sure it doesn't become so obsessive that you do what you just described
1: I think there's got to be that element of having the best friend in the team you know at that time I didn't really have a best friend I remember you know even Graham Swan saying to me he goes like apart from connecting with Monty we know how to else speak to monty you know like if we took the cricket bit out of the way i never used to play golf with the lads i wasn't a great fifa player um i wouldn't go and you know talk and maybe do other activities because i was so cricket obsessed and that was my weak. that was my 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 super strength became my weakness so I wish at times, I wish I had another activity. I wish I was, you know, good at golf and just go and, you know, have a chat about, you know, golf gears and the, the whole, you know, swing and this and that, you know, something else apart from cricket. So that's that, that, that bit I think I would advise youngsters. I'll say try and have a best mate in your team where there'll be some days, you know, when you're playing, you're like, oh, you know, my, my bowling's not great or batting's not great. You know, you don't, may, may not want to talk about it with a coach, but you have a best mate you could talk to and who can, he can help you get through the day. Other times, um, if cricket's not going good, get away from it. Get away from it. Have another hobby. You know, there's so many times, even at Sussex, when I used to sit down with a sports psychologist, he used to ask me, what are your other hobbies? And there weren't many other hobbies. It would just be cricket, cricket, or gym, gym, and all of that. And, and I wish during that time when I developed a hobby, I developed other interests. And that's why this journalism's great, because mm-hmm. when I go on to this course, like I've got, I've got like a podcast coming out soon called Monty Meets, where I interview, you know, sports stars um and then hopefully you know i'll, I'll get you on it uh yeah. one day yeah <laughs> and, uh, um favor
0: so favor i'll definitely come on
1: <laughs> well you got to be a sports star so you've got to. i can do sport
0: yeah if, 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 Does you, that if, count? You, if
1: you compete in let's say the marathon or the northern run or do a triathlon then you're allowed to come on my podcast
0: right well that's me i'm in then because that's what i do I've got marathons coming up. I've got triathlon coming up.
1: (laughs) There you go. We can talk about your whole journey of being this amateur sports person and the drive to train like an athlete. Because I see your host every day. It's like every day, oh, she's gone for another run. You know, she's she's enjoying her run again. That's a real commitment, isn't it? You're staying so fit, even though you're not a professional athlete.
0: Yeah, it is interesting because I think, for me, it's something I've always done, so it's part of my routine – but I can relate a lot to what you're talking about. And even though I'm not a professional athlete, a lot of the same mindset I think I've applied to my career. And then at times it's become far too much of an obsession. And I always use running and exercise as a way, you know, we, we almost started this conversation talking about, about that. And when you said, you know, it gives you a chance for you to think about things and that's what it is to me. So it's a real coping mechanism, but sometimes I almost rely on it too much. And then I'm very competitive. So it's a great way to place my competitive energy though in a healthy way. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's my that's my very short answer, but I think it's a little bit more complex. But I do really believe in the power of running to help help regulate our emotions and help, you know, just I don't know. For me, sometimes if I'm if my head is just a bit all over the place. Going for a run just helps me smooth the river a little bit. And that's kind of who I am as a person. Like I'm not a level person. I'm somebody that sometimes, you know, will feel really kind of manic in the way I do things. And then sometimes I'll go so far with it that sometimes I almost just crash and sometimes things feel very low. So exercise is a good way for me to Manage that, but anyway, hang on a sec. This is not about me. This is about you. So what what we're we talking yeah, about?
1: Think, oh yeah, Monty that, Meats that. Yeah, yeah, so, this like... is part of the Monty meets trailer, right? And <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but th- I think that's why I connect with you really well because you've got this uh, mindset of an athlete's mindset, and I see that in your Twitter feeds or the posts you post up. I can see. I was like, she, she's training like an athlete. You are training like you know you train like a sports sports person, right? Sportswoman. So you, you you really go in detail in deep search of certain answers and how you get there is, is absolutely brilliant
0: well, thanks I just like I, I find humor behavior very very interesting and I think to a level we all struggle and I I think it's just very hard sometimes to talk about it so that's why I like to talk about it because I think it helps because actually I relate to a lot of what you're talking about again like not a professional cricketer, but I can relate to that I'm I'm fine, I'm fine. And that kind of boiling up where no, I'm just a strong-headed person and I'm fine and I don't need to because it's hard to be vulnerable. And I and I'm honestly Monty, so many people will relate to that. So many people. I don't think you have to be a professional sports person or whatever, because we we battle sometimes with vulnerability, right? I think nobody yes. likes to feel like that. So then we put on this thing and then it creates that anger that we were talking about. Anyway, I feel like I feel like we could do like an extended version of this. But but on that note, what would you say to anyone that is struggling at the moment and is feeling these things that we've been talking about?
1: Yeah, look, I, I think, you know, you need to have a coping mechanisms in place. So you've got to have activities, you know, that you have a list of things you do where you say, well, if I'm not feeling great, I'm going to pick one of these lists. So you write all the things down, could be exercise, could be reading, Mm -hmm. could be writing maybe, call a friend, I'm going to talk to someone, I'm going to listen to my favorite radio station, I will, um, uh, you know, uh, try and maybe go for a walk, then there needs to be some sort of mechanisms, right, need to have some activities that relate, so your body and your mind thinks, right? when I do these activities, I'm doing something to help myself, And and there's a consistent pattern in doing that as well. It's not just, you know, you're you're not consistent with it. So these things are so important. And I think sometimes people may may not have that structure. They say, oh, I don't feel great. So what do I do? Oh, I'll have this internal dialogue within myself and talk and think, why I'm not feeling great. Rather than just say, get up. Okay, let's look at the list to make me feel better. Um, I'm going to pick one of them things, maybe reading. Or maybe I'll call Charlie up. because I'm not feeling good today. So I see how she's doing, mm-hmm. and, and that that kind of stuff um, is. What's on actually... what's on
0: your list? What's on your okay? List? So first
1: first thing on my list is is morning gym. I got to be in the gym in the morning. I like to be in the morning to the gym. Um, I also uh, when when let's say um, I, I've been overloaded with let's say information, or I need to. I like to listen to LBC because I like to go because one part of psychology I learned is that be in touch with daily news so get your mind away of what's going on what's the daily topic today on lbc what is the debate going on and it gets the mind to start working then you know and it, and it gives it um in it, you're in present with reality what's happening around the world which is a, which is another way of making sure you know you're in a good place so i, I try and do that and then um you know, uh, there's, there's, there's other things which, um, you know, maybe I'll, I'll do some cooking, you know, um, try and learn a new recipe. Uh, I'm quite good at making desserts and I have a bit of a sweet tooth myself. So, you know, try and learn some new things. So th- there, there's one of them kind of activities. I think obviously exercise is, is, is another part of me. Um, and, and also I like to sit in silence. So when I sit in silence or when I read, I remember my life coach, um, Deepak Vashti, passed away. He goes, when you sit in silence, when you read, it develops patience. And patience is love. Patience is love. When you're patiently sitting there and you're, let's say, biting your tongue or you're sacrificing yourself for other people, it is a form of love as well. So for when I silently sit there and I'm in silence, um, it's interesting to see how, how the mind quietens, you know, uh, very quickly and you don't realize it and other times I love going to shopping I'll go shopping I'll sit in a cafe and I'll just watch people I'll just watch what people are doing what's what's going on what is happening there Or so, and then just you know you you laugh at some funny jokes or you laugh at you know kids misbehaving you know just like <laughs> run around and stuff or you know uh, whatever and and it, and it helps you to understand the mind that th- th- this is human activity you know we're here this is real now this is this is the reality this is the pace of what life looks like right now and and these kind of things you know just help me help me a lot
0: monty thank you so much it's been absolutely brilliant to speak to you there's so many th- so many absolutely fantastic brilliant things i think you've said during this and i think it will just help a lot of people and it's really great like i appreciate your honesty and i think a lot of people really do and i think it's very admirable and i can't wait to listen to monty meets
1: Thank you. Yes, please do.
0: Little I, I, promo I, there I, for you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And <laughs> um, I've, I've made the made the
1: podcast between thirty to forty minutes, so people go for a run. As they go for a run, they can listen to it.
0: Yeah, that's very true. I think a lot of people have started to listen to podcasts like when they're walking or running. Um, I think it's like I think this is a little bit longer than thirty to forty minutes, so they'll have to go for an extra long run. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, thank you so much, though, Monty.
1: Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks all for listening. Check out other episodes as well, including if you like cricket, Australia Cricket head coach Justin Langer. We had such a brilliant chat too, and loads more on our Apple and Spotify pages. And remember to visit sportinglife.com ahead of the rest when it comes to unbiased opinion and sports analysis. If you are really struggling, you can always reach out for help. And if a lot of what monty said you can really relate to there are charities such as mind the samaritans and sporting mind they do understand and you can also text shout to 85258 if you don't want to talk to anyone on the phone take care and we'll speak again soon